Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey, Sox fans. Welcome back to Good Guys Talk Back. Uh, I am Nick Morowski. This is a fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. This is episode 241. Uh, try to do this live on Sunday nights on our YouTube channel. Subscribe, uh, pass it along to other Sox fans in your life. The audio is available everywhere. Uh, got some stuff to get to on personnel uh, decisions, uh, some coaches, which is big for us that oh, we're going to talk about. That we're this, is the, this is the show we've been waiting for all this year, Nick. absolutely is. And then, you know, this is such a, this is a tough episode. We've been doing this episode every year. Uh, you know, since we've been doing this podcast, you know, a few weeks after the season where we kind of have to admit uh, to our faults, uh, to our predictions that went horribly wrong. There were some successes, few of those, but a lot of swings and misses. And uh, if you're available to jump in in the comments, uh, please add yours to the list. We'll try to get to them. But with me, as always, my very good friend, diehard Sox fan, Pat Hester. Hello, sir. Buddy, it's good to be with you, and it's uh, it's everybody's favorite time of year. What former White Sox are you rooting for in the playoff season? Which is fantastic. It's fun. Yeah. I'm rooting for Jose Abreu, okay. even though he's uh, with the with the dreaded Astros. They're playing yeah. the dreaded Twins. So uh, that's a tough Astros. series to pick. Really? Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, you're not just uh, go Jose Abreu. You're all the way go Astros. Oh, anti. Yes, anti Astros or anti Twins rather. Anti anti Twins. And you're you're pulling for Abreu and the uh, Astros. It'd be nice, right? It'd be nice to see uh, Jose win. That would be fun, right? Mm. I could, I could live with that. Yeah, but but, but it comes with the whole Astros have to win. Then does that make yeah, sense? I mean, so, what else, what else can we do at this point, Nick? I mean, what else do we have? Yeah. We have so little, Nick. We have so little we, to we have, be excited about. You know, Phillies are an exciting team. And, and the Phillies are what I was hoping, you know, maybe the Sox looked like. You know, I'm not the first one to say it, but there's a lot of players on that ball club that were rumored that should have been uh, with the Chicago White Sox. Obviously, Bryce Harper is the big fish, but so many others. I was Speaking of fish, I was I was pulling for Berger, of course. Mm-hmm. Wanted to see yeah. Jake Berger uh, do well with the, with the Marlins. Uh, the, the Orioles are a fun – they're just a fun team. You know, yeah. they're a young team. Uh, you and I have seen that team up close and personal, uh, you know, I think it was last season where, man, they just have an amazing defense outfield is, is just fast. Nothing falls to the ground and, you know, they got some guys that can hit. So, you know, I, I'm watching, uh, I'm still watching, but it's tough. It's still tough right now, you know, just to see these teams that, you know, have got such young talent and like they're in the postseason over and over because they've been able to do it right and develop and add. And, you know, it's just we were kind of like one and done and that's it. Well, um, I guess there's always next year. We just have the the plan of every, you know, once every 15 years or so, we'll be we'll be right there. So uh, it is a little bit tough, but it's still I still enjoy playoff baseball. I still get kind of excited about it and watching it is you know, October, it's got that feel. It's, I still like it, Nick. It's, it's, especially when you're watching a brand of baseball where, uh, you know, teams are obviously very talented, as you mentioned, with watching the Orioles, even though they're down uh, two games in they, their series yeah. and they got a long road to hoe here to come back 
and win a, a five game series. But it's fun to watch teams that do it the right way and 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 and, and you just kind of go, oh, that's how it should look, huh? That's how baseball should actually look. And yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's but part of me also just thinks, boy, just get me to through the World Series. Let's get the real offseason going and and see what direction uh, Chris gets in his singular mindset takes his team. <laughs> Yeah, a good good point by uh, Tyler in the comments. Yeah, uh, Graveman too on that Astros team forgot about oh, that. Yes, and then the flurry of moves that were made uh, by the Sox at the deadline. Forgot uh, Graveman went back. Beloved to the Kendall Astros. Graveman. I wonder if he's able to pitch two days in a row, or is he got to take his? <laughs> I don't know what his policy once is. in a while. I, I just uh, whenever I feel like it type of. Policy. I don't know what his postseason uh, policy is, his workload management. But uh, yeah, uh, how about those Diamondbacks too? And, wow, and that's a team that I wonder. How much did uh, the new assistant, I believe, GM Barfield, uh, Josh Barfield, how much did he have? How much involvement did he have with that young team? But they jumped all over Kershaw uh, yesterday. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, and and they, they did it to the Northsiders. They did it to our White Sox uh, in September. They are a young, fun team. Yeah, young and fun, and and but it, can it be sustainable? So it, it's fun to watch these teams as they pop up. And I still don't, I don't worry too much about the Dodgers. I, I feel like they've done this in the past in the playoffs. They get you know, one bugaboo out of the way, and they just kind of turn it on from there. They're a team that's got a history of being able to flip a switch, if you will. Um, but they've also, you know, been been heavily favored in series two in the past and, and really laid an egg. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but once you have momentum and you have a team like the diamondbacks that had to win, right, Nick, they had to continue to win and perform and they had that momentum. Those are the scariest teams coming into the playoffs is when you've had to actually overcome and, and not just, you know, they didn't just squeak in, but they had something to play for down the stretch. And I think that goes a long way for how you at least start out, uh, the playoffs. It may not be sustainable for long enough. It might catch up to you and you may not have as good a starting pitching staff as your opponents, but getting into the playoffs and having momentum means a lot nowadays. Yeah. I, you know, I think back to the 2021 white Sox team, obviously the uh, division winner and uh, you know, our, uh, you know, the, the, the jewel, the crown jewel of this rebuild, uh, the one division championship and it just did not look good the last few weeks going into the postseason. It just yeah. feel like, you know, everyone was running on gas. There's some injuries. You know, Rodon wasn't obviously uh, himself. There's other guys that were playing uh, in, in uncharted territory in terms of games logged and all that kind of stuff. And, and we just kind of we, we gassed in there and got outmanaged, outplayed uh, everything uh, by the Astros a couple seasons ago. So I do believe in momentum. I do believe in that coming in, clicking on all cylinders, you know, uh, the lineup's looking good. Everybody's gelling. You're feeling it. And, and with a little bit of what you had said, uh, some urgency too. playing with yeah. a little bit of urgency and it's difficult to manifest urgency when you've locked things up, but that's where I think a good manager and a good coaching staff comes into play and some veterans that have been there of, Hey, you know, let's keep, keep putting the, you know, uh, pedal to the metal here uh, because it's not just about a division championship. We want more. Well, I think that's an interesting way to approach the season. If, if Pedro's listening, you know, for next year, <laughs> sure. if there is a, a plan on contention, uh, how do you do the workload management to where you're not, 
when you when at the end of the season you really are relying on your guys to to perform and not taking the whether you're you know not that they will but whether you've secured the the division or not early on or not you know do you continue to push guys and play guys and, and that risk and reward factor of well they might get hurt I, I don't think it, I don't think in professional sports anymore, Nick. You can really play scared. It's when you play scared is when injuries happen. It happens all the time. I, I'd rather see guys, you know, if you want to, I, I'd rather see them push them early, get them out, get them pushed early, get them going, and then maybe find time in in June and July to get guys some breaks, and then right back to pushing them again. I don't know if that makes any sense to you or not, but this early in the season where it's like, okay, you 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 start, stop, start, stop, snip, snap, snip, snap. And right. So I I think that it really has hurt us in the, in the last couple of years. It's like, okay, you get going, we get out of spring and then we got to, we got to really back in because we got to workload manage. And then we, then you got to push you back out again. And it's, it's all this back and forth. It's like, we got to hit the ground running next year and just go and not have these, you know, April collapses that our season ends before it gets started. Yeah, that's I I agree in that, and I and I, I agree with all of that, and and I think that's that we'll we'll touch on that when we get to our, our predictions, our failed predictions, our swings and misses, and our and our few successes because I have some, you know, that falls in my column, um, you know, with that urgency stuff that I thought was going to be very different. But before we get to uh, how bad we did uh, predicting this team in the off season. Uh, and, and we're probably not alone, but we're going to we're going to wear it. We're going to lean into all of that. Uh, there were some changes in the coaching staff since the last time we talked. Uh, hitting coach Jose Castro, hardly even knew you. Uh, and first base coach Teflon, Daryl Boston will wow. not return to the White Sox uh, and Pedro Grifol's uh, staff in 2024. Uh, assistant hitting coach Chris Johnson uh, after one season following a promotion from the minors, uh, he gone, he's going to be reassigned. And, uh, that is a uh, Kurt Hassler also reassigned. We talked about in the last episode, but you know, a lot of folks excited for Chris Johnson, you know, we we saw what players what was happening to them when they would go down to the minors and, you know, eventually come back up to the big league club and all right, Chris Johnson's up here. We'll see what's going to go on. Jose Castro coming from the Braves. Wow. Look at what the Braves can do. You know, look at what their launch angle, look what they're doing in terms of hitting the ball part, uh, hitting the ball out of the ballpark. We got guys that can do that uh, here with this White Sox team in 2023. Wow. What's good. And I, the amount of articles that I read in the offseason and talked about it on lockdown and, and his viewpoint. And, and I did reach out to somebody in the offseason that did lockdown Atlanta Braves as soon as this Jose Castro thing was announced. And I said, what can you tell me about, you know, what can you tell me about Jose Castro? I, I, you know, I'm kind of excited. We got this guy coming in from the Braves and the host. And I forgot his name from the lockdown Atlanta Braves was like, you know what? I don't even know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't really, he's like the first time I'm really hearing about that name. I don't think it meant much to us. I'm really excited about this guy. I don't even know who that is. That's yeah. Great. So when, when I heard that, I was like, oh, so maybe, not a glowing uh, report then. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe Castro wasn't the reason for success with Atlanta, but uh, he's gone. Uh, but the big one, Pat, in my mind is, is Daryl Boston. We've been talking about him as so many others for a lot of different reasons for a long, long time. And from what I read, it, it sure sounded like 
Kenny Williams was keeping him around. Uh, there was a relationship there. Uh, Daryl Boston was Kenny's guy. And once Kenny was gone, uh, he had nobody to protect him. Grafol, of course, inherited Daryl Boston. And, and we made light like of this. A lot of people have, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have inherited Daryl Boston. <laughs> and we we talked about it last season of like, all these changes, you know, Grafol's able to bring in all these different guys, but don't mess with Daryl Boston. Well, that's not the case anymore. He is gone, apparently well-liked, you know, good camaraderie in the clubhouse, uh, all this other nonsense. But come on, uh, if you're going to make changes, like, what is he really doing? Like, what is a well, first-base coach really doing? If I understood it correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he was in charge of, of the outfield, right? He was in charge of the guys and, and the way they defended in yeah. the outfield, yeah. if, if memory serves. And we've had one of the worst outfield defensively uh, since I can remember, Nick. I mean, it's just been a comedy of errors. So, it, I mean, it, a lot of it falls on on the players and, and maybe their athleticism and their ability to play those positions and being played out of position because of – you know, the, the upper management, not willing to make moves to address an entire right field for so many years, but I digress. The outfield play was horrendous. And if that falls at the feet of Daryl Boston to make sure that those guys are doing what they should do to at least be adequate, then I think this is long overdue. And it's un, it's really a shame uh, that, that guys in this organization have been able to keep their jobs because of relationships, not because of results. And, and Daryl Boston is just another guy in this. And, and Kenny Williams was one of those guys, right? He had stayed with this team for a long time because of the relationship he had with Jerry Reinstor, not because of the production that he had. So it, it's nice to see. And you and I joke about it. It's like Daryl Boston. What is that really going to change in the future for this team? But, you know, it's it's confounding. And I think he was also in charge. Wasn't he in also charge of base running? Was that the other he thing? Was, he was not last year, so, though. He was in 2022. But, so the two things that this team was just <laughs> got awful at for years, outfield defense and base running, he was, it, it, that's at his feet for the most part over the last several years, and he got to keep his job. So the fact that he's we finally moved on from that, um, I mean, you and I are joking about it and it's probably, we're making more of it than it should be, but, uh, I just think it shows the, you know, the ridiculousness of this, this, uh, of this organization to keep, keep a guy just because of relationship. And he was in charge of two things that we were terrible at for years. What former Kansas city Royal, what, who's coming from the Casey organization to fill that void at first base. That'll be the big question. Um, I can't wait for that to happen, actually. So we I am looking forward up. to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was, like I said, I was on assignment at Kansas City. I did a Mike lot of Sweeney. Is Mike Sweeney available? Oh, I'd love to, to bring a Mike Sweeney. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a Mike Sweeney uh, part of your organization? I yeah. mean, traditionally a Sox killer. So if you Absolutely. brought him on as a coach, Absolutely. I mean, boom, goes the dynamite. There you go. Yeah. Win the division yeah. by at least five games. <laughs> Let's talk about predictions and, uh, you know, divisions and individual stuff. And I, I, you know, I made a whole list here, Pat, and and I think we'll start with our, uh, with the ugliness. Cause there weren't too many successes. I couldn't, I could not list very many. And I was really reaching for some of the success. So you wrote all these down when we did these predictions way back when this is for, I this did, but memory, I, or did you this, go back no, and watch I, the tape? No, no, no. I went back <laughs> and I, um, 
you know, I, I listened to, or I went through some of the lockdown stuff that I did because mm. I, I was making predictions nonstop, man. That's all oh, you do. I, and, and on lockdown, yeah. when it's a daily podcast in like the middle of winter, you're just making, you know, predictions constantly. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of predictions that I was making and, and I was so off with them. Um, but you know, I, yeah, we traditionally write it down, but I just, you know, I kind of went from memory and I was like, oh yeah, I remember I was talking about this guy or this team, you know, what the team's going to do and everything. So do you want me to start or do you want to start with, no, no, you, just, you, this is, Mark, this is you. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that one caught me off guard. Yeah. yeah. He, a little bit of both, a little bit of white sacks and Royals. Um, all right. I'm, I'm going to start here. Uh, and it, and this is, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go reverse pyramid on you. I'm going to okay. go with my big, this was my big miss. And it, I could go team, but I'm going to go individual because I was so upset. This was such a big miss is Michael Kopech. Hmm. Uh, I, I was, man, I, I talked about Michael Kopech so many times, uh, you know, leading up to the season on lockdown, we have talked about Michael Kopech. I, I've been talking about him for years. I'm like, I think he's finally healthy. He seems to be right this offseason. And, and I thought, I thought 30 starts for Michael Kopech. 30 starts. I'm going to go pretty bullish. And that wasn't really using my head. I, I was just using my heart. I'm like, I hope this happens for him. I want to see this happen for him. So I thought 30 starts, maybe 150, 160 innings. Could he get to 170 innings, which is like flirting with Dylan C's territory, but maybe 150, right? Uh, he ended with 120, led the league, led the American League with 91 walks, started 27 games, uh, which uh, he had 25 in 2022 uh, and, and he got messed around with, you know, he was sent to the bullpen. Uh, there was just some weird cryptic stuff of, well, maybe he's got the stuff to be in the bullpen. We like that, but he should really have the mindset of a starter. I mean, what they're trying to do to him, I don't know. He was a mess. I mean, how many games did he leave early and just his, his post games and uh, uh, post game comments were, I mean, he just looked like he was in a trance. He had no idea and he had no answers. So I'm going to start with Michael Kopech on that. Well, uh, that's a good place to start because it was so horrifically bad for him for the majority of the season from the start of it, really. I think his first start against San Francisco when <laughs> balls were just going out of guaranteed rate at a, at a yeah. fever pitch. Um, so that's a good place to start. I'll, I think if I remember correctly, uh, Aloy Jimenez, I had him down for over 40 home runs. Um, and remind oh me, remind oh me how boy. many he had, uh, in the season. If you don't, I, I think it was, was it 10? No, <laughs> was I think he had, 10? he had in the, he in the high teens, he might've hit teens. 18 home oh, runs well. this year. Okay. Yeah. So 18 home runs versus well over, I think, and I'm pretty sure I was pretty bullish, uh, as I've learned to be as a white Sox fan, uh, I'm very bullish on Aloy Jimenez hitting 40 home runs. And I think I probably predicted both 40 for him and Luis Robert. Now, Lou Bob was, was obviously closer. I think we finished with 38 before he mm -hmm. went out with the, the injury at the end of the year. Yeah. But I think I predicted both of them over 40 home runs. And okay. maybe I was drunk at the time. Maybe I should have made, maybe next year I should make sure I'm sober when I do predictions. Well, we all, we all drank up the, the Aloy stuff. You know, I, I, I absolutely thought it was going to be lightning and thunder. You know, mm -hmm. I talked about Aloy and, and um, Luis Robert Jr. as the lightning and thunder. If they could both play, 80% of the games, if not more, watch out. Oh, my goodness, watch out. 
uh, they are going to be unstoppable. So I had Aloy on my list too. So I'll add a little bit to what you had because I was really disappointed. I mean, Aloy played in 120 games. So it's nearly 80%. Nearly, not quite. Okay, but that's a lot of games for Aloy Jimenez. 120, 36 more than what he played in 2022. He had 162 more plate appearances this season than the previous season. Uh, but where was the power? That, that's what I'm asking. Where was the power? He only had two more home runs mm-hmm. and only two more walks. I mean, the offense numbers were down across the board, and he played in more games. You know, I, a lot of ground balls, a lot of ground balls in the double plays. Uh, hey, when he gets a hold of one, it's majestic, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's effortless. He has such a, he, he does have a beautiful swing. And, you know, it looks like, man, if you just make contact, this ball is flying out of the ballpark. Um, I'm not happy because he was DHing. I, I don't know, but I mean, close to 80% of the games, and you didn't increase much in your power. Uh, that, that was really disappointing. Big disappointment there. I'll, I'll go next again after since you added on with yeah. Aloy. Uh, I, I'm almost positive. I predicted Tim Anderson to hit over 300 again this year and he finished mm-hmm. with 245. So not, not quite the TA that we've been used to, um, zero power again from a Tim Anderson this year. I'm sure that whether we talk about it this episode or, or maybe in the future, as we get into the off season, the future of Tim Anderson will be interesting to watch and, and where that leads. Uh, but just to, you know, along with a long list of other White Sox who had terribly underperforming seasons and disappointing seasons, uh, Tim Anderson right at the top of that because he was supposed to be the spark of our team, right, Nick? We we talked a lot about coming into this season without Jose Abreu, the aforementioned Jose Abreu with the Astros now. Uh, this is Tim Anderson's team, really, as a leader. and he, He's going to be not only the straw that stirs the drink, but he's going to be leading the team from, from the front now as you lose a big leader in, in Jose Abreu. So how is he going to handle that? And whether he didn't fit that role as a leader the way that we needed him to or not, or it was just his personal life got too much for him to overcome. And I'm not saying that it should be easy to overcome either. I'm just saying it just what didn't happen for him. Uh, maybe that all kind of culminated in this year where it just bubbled over and, and it, and in, in the walls caved in on him from all sides. So uh, actually 245 is a little bit higher than I thought he was going to be when I just looked it up a second ago, but I know that predicted him again to hit over 300 and maybe even challenge for a batting title. So way off on that prediction. And the power, I mean, yeah. almost zero power. Um, the defense has never been there. And, and, and not just power, like regarding hitting the ball over the fence, like hitting doubles, right? Sure. The power wasn't there hitting to the gaps. It was, his hits were seemingly just singles all the time to the other side. It was nothing in the gaps, nothing down the line. It wasn't a lot of doubles, you know, certainly no triples. So not just power and hitting the ball out of the ballpark, just power to the, to the gaps really. Yeah. I didn't have uh, Anderson on my list. I don't, I don't really think I made too many predictions about him. Um, Honestly, it was more, will this guy stay with the white Sox? You know, Mm. everything surrounding the impending, you know, contract and what he has said. But will the Sox really make him the first $100 million man? I think maybe now that I'm talking myself into it, I focused a lot of that in the offseason on, well, there's this, you know, Sox have yet to give somebody, you know, sign somebody $100 million. 
could Anderson be that guy? Could be the face of the franchise. And now I, I don't think so. You know, I, I really don't think so. But in terms of different numbers and stuff, I kind of knew what you were going to get with this guy. I, I just felt like, you know, it, look, and I don't want to dog on him. Like he, for a while there, he was one of the, he was one of the more electric players that we could remember in recent, you know, in, in, in recent memory for, is it from the Sox fan perspective of, wow, this guy is like on national commercials. This guy is like the face of, wants to be the face of baseball. Uh, he can do it with the bat. You know, I, again, like you're not going to see the defense, but there were all these other facets of the game. He just had that edge about him. And, you know, that that's, that is gone. That has yeah. gone to the wayside. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with him uh, in the off season, what the Sox are going to decide moving forward. But um, yeah, I, I, I did, I didn't have a lot on, on numbers with him. So I'll just let that lie. Um my 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 other big player that I really focused a lot on was Andrew Vaughn. Uh-huh. I came out and I'm su- I was such an Andrew Vaughn believer. This guy is going to have first base. You know, he's not going to have to worry about playing out of position and this, that, and the other. And, and I and I thought, you know, well, okay, he might not have to carry the team because there'd be other guys that are probably going to be filling in that role of carrying the team. And and he's going to fit into a nice spot, kind of quietly, you know, uh, continue to mature, uh, you know, better looks at the plate, you know, finding his, finding his role. He doesn't quite need to be the guy of like, we need, we need Andrew Vaughn, man. If you Andrew Vaughn doesn't hit 25, 30 home runs this year. I don't know where this team he's, he wasn't there yet. That, that wasn't going to be him, but I thought he was going to make major strides and really have a heck of a year. Um, now he played in 152 games, Pat, and we, you wow. and I were worried about his injuries. We were mm-hmm. worried that, you know, his back was really going to, you know, there was going to be problems there where he was going to have to sit out and, but he played in 152, 18 more than in 2022. Slash line OPS were down, went from he did go from 17 home runs up to 21 home runs. And I think that's your, you know, if you're looking at anything for Andrew Vaughn, it's like, okay, he he got over 20 home runs. He got into that category. Um, but you know, there's just way too many moments where there were big opportunities. And he's just beating the ball to the ground or, you know, unproductive outs. And, you know, of course, you're not going to you're not going to be the hero every single time. But it felt like in in watching, you know, 90 percent of the games, 80 percent of the games, the rest maybe on the radio. um, He had opportunities, you know, he had more than more than a handful of opportunities. And it just didn't feel like, you know, that eye test mm-hmm. of he was going to make the big leap that I that I was hoping he that he would make, you know, coming out of the shadow. But I but I did know it was going to be it was going to be a tough task for him. You know, yeah. you, you had to fill in for Jose Abreu now. You're the new first baseman. And when everybody else is scuffling, which ended up being that's how it was in 2023. Well, your scuffling is is magnified even more. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, uh, Andrew Vaughn, uh, you and I both had, uh, you know, big hopes for him this year and really coming out of not coming out of his shell, but turning into the player that we've been hearing that he could be the hitting that potential ceiling uh, that we've been hearing about for years. And this guy's an automatic hitter and 
and the almost the untouchable in terms of a trade. You know, you can't touch Andrew Vaughn. I mean, I remember having conversations with people like, well, the what if scenarios, what if we traded, what if we were able to get this guy and this guy, but the trade would be Andrew Vaughn. Oh no, we can't put Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We can't let this guy go. Uh, that looks a little silly nowadays. I'll, I'll move over to the mound and I'll say Dylan Cease. I don't think I predicted him winning the Cy Young just because I, it's hard to do. It's hard to win a Cy Young. Uh, but I think I predicted he'd finish at least in top three. And as it stands right now, I don't think there's any chance of him being uh, finishing in the top three um, in terms of Cy Young awards. So, you know, that will wow. be seen. But um, I mean, what a year for a Dylan Cease. And we were really concerned about, wow, if he continues to pitch like this, how can we afford a Dylan Cease? He's going to be gone uh, sooner rather than later. We're never going to be able to sign this guy and keep this guy. And then after game one, it really it was really an average or below average for most uh, days for Dylan Cease. Reverted back to a lot of bad habits in terms of throwing a lot of pitches, not making it through four or five innings. And, and it was really not the dominant Cease that we had become accustomed to in the year before. So uh, the fact that he didn't even, you know, not even the fact that he, he's not going to crack the top 10 in terms of, of Cy Young Award. Uh, I had him finishing in the top three, and and that's not even going to be come close. So yeah, that was I, a way uh, off. I had Dylan Cease on my list, but I had it as a as kind of a success for me in terms of predictions because I thought he was going to take a little bit of a step mm. back. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, and I know he didn't win the Cy Young, but awfully close. I mean, his numbers were outstanding in 2022. Came very very close uh, to winning that Cy Young. And it's tough to repeat. It's tough to get right back into that category when the bullseye is on your back. Uh, the opposing team knows you're the number one. They want to get to you. They, you know, you're, you're not going to catch people off guard. You have to be so razor sharp. You can't have off days. Your stuff has to be working. You know, mm -hmm. it, all of your stuff has to be working to get back into uh, 2022 form. So, I mean, he was seven and nine, seven and nine. And I know wins and losses obviously does not mean anywhere what it used to be 20 years ago, even more. Uh, but here's, here's, here's a good thing about Dylan Cease. He takes the ball, man. This guy doesn't get hurt. 30 plus starts once again, uh, led the league for the second time in three years, led the league, led the American league in terms of starts for the second time in three years, 170 plus innings once again, uh, 79 walks, though. W w the walks is a problem. Uh, that probably would have led the league if it wasn't for Kopex 91. Uh, the 4.58 ERA, uh, almost two full points uh, higher than, than what he had in 2022. Uh, he had that 2.20 ERA in that, in that runner-up wow. uh, Cy Young season. Uh, where he had 180 plus innings and he was 14 and eight. So, I mean, those are outstanding numbers in 2022. And I just had a feeling he's probably going to step back a little bit. I didn't think it was going to be as bad, but your silver lining is that he takes the ball, man. The, the guy takes well, the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's commendable, right? We need, he need to have innings from, from, from guys and have some reliability there. But um, I mean, if he could have been a, a, a three and a half ERA, ERA guy, a full, what, almost point and a half higher than last year. Boy, I would have taken that. I, I'd like I mean, to see. Over 200 strikeouts once again. He wasn't yeah. near his 2022 number, but 
Um, but he is a strikeout pitcher and, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to walk a lot of guys, but um, you know, he got roughed up, man. Yeah. yeah. He got roughed up. And, and I, I'll, I'll think back to a spring training game against the Royals where he got really roughed up and it was kind of getting close, I think to opening day. And it was just a, mm, something going on here. Like, and, and he brushed it off as, as you know, he should it's spring training, mm-hmm. but he had that, he, he bounced, he got right back there in Houston, man. And he took care of business. But then as you had mentioned at the beginning of this cease talk, uh, kind of just mm, so, so. Well, the, the big talk in, in 2022, Nick was the whole, and I don't remember all the stats cause I, I'll never remember that stuff, but you know, the missing of bats, you just miss sure. that. Oh yeah. And, and it yeah. just seemed like this year I'd like to, cause they keep stats on this stuff that, you know, the the barrel rate right mm-hmm. uh, right how many times guys are being able to barrel him up because a lot of times it wasn't just like a oh, little blue pits here and there he was getting he was getting squared up pretty good I don't know what you can uh, attribute that to but it, it wasn't the missing of the bats and the weak you know fly balls and ground balls it was guys really putting a charge and stuff this year on him so I'm gonna now jump to just whole team stuff and and I'm gonna I'm gonna just put Grafol into all this and. I drank the Kool-Aid and I've talked about this mm-hmm. openly. I drank the Kool-Aid and I talked to people about it. I tried to convince them that, look, this White Sox baseball team is going to be better prepared in 2023. They're going to be fundamentally sound. We've got a manager that's going to sweat the small stuff. You know, he's got them on a program, you know, this, this like chunk in five days kind of stuff, you know, how he operates. I bought into all of that. All the stuff that he was talking about, which I'm kind of giving, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hinting to the Pedro Grafol quote of the week that we'll unleash later in the episode. Oh, yes. But we, <laughs> you know, all of that. It's like, this sounds different. This is refreshing. Uh, I, I, I love all of this. You know, you're saying all the right things. Uh, and I, man, and, and I, I bought into it and I, and I used that as I made my prediction, which I predicted 90 wins. Mm-hmm. Predicting 90 wins for this 2023 team that lost 101 games, 90 wins. And I said, yeah, they could win the AL central. They should win the AL central. Look at their roster. Look at their lineup. And we've got the mastermind, Pedro Grafol, who wants to kick everybody's butt at 710, <laughs> you know, as soon as you get to the ballpark. So I bought into it. And, mm-hmm. and that is my, I mean, right up there with Kopech, th- this was the other big, just let down is I missed on that. And I know I'm not the only one, but I I'm owning up to that because I said it loud and proud on locked on when I was guests on other shows and on this podcast with you, like, no, this this team's going to be prepared. They're going to run the bases. Well, they're going to hit cutoff guys. They're going to, they're going to win on the margins. That's what's going to happen this year. And that did not happen. Well, unfortunately for you and I, Nick, I mean, they could have put a sack of potatoes in there. And as long as it wasn't Tony La Russa, it would have been like, oh, well, that'll be at least a, a difference of we were at 500 last year. Just having a different manager, that's five more wins. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a 10 game swing. Right. If you just just remove Tony La Russa because he was so awful uh, that it, it doesn't matter who it is, as long as it's not him. We're going to be in better. We're going to be better off. So anything that Pedro said was like, yeah, we were lapping it up like thirsty dogs, just in a bowl, just happy to be there. Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, Keep talking, true. please, Pedro. Show us more videos of you calling Aloy Jimenez and talking to him about he's going to be a DH. 
we can't wait to talk about this guy because he's so fresh and different and great. Yeah. And he's got this long, wonderful uh, journeyman's life uh, of being a baseball. And he was hungry man. to be a manager. Hungry. He's been waiting yeah. for this opportunity. Couldn't wait yeah. to get there. Yeah. And boy, was the moment too big for him. Uh, and, and it's just unfortunate that's the way it was. And I, you know, I'll just go with the low hanging fruit on, in terms of my prediction on the team this year was 93 wins. So I was even worse than you were. This team won 61 games. How the hell could we be so off in our predictions, Nick? It's just unbelievable to think about because it, it wasn't, unless I'm like completely losing my mind, you had mentioned before about the games played by Aloy Jimenez. We had talked about the games played by Luis Robert Jr. We talked about the innings pitched by, by Dylan Cease. The guys that are supposed to be stars on this team were available majority of the season. They played the majority of the season. And that core, and, that core and, everybody wants to Yeah, talk the about. core, yeah. this, this core and Andrew Vaughn, and you had mentioned the number of games played by, by him and, and even though he was he had zero production, it was um, uh, Yaz. I mean, Yaz played a lot of the season too, and we just found ways to keep him in the lineup, and it just was not there for him anymore. And it's just it, it's just sad to think about. We really can't blame this year on massive injuries like we could in in maybe other seasons, or why we fell short. It was just complete lack of ability to play the game of baseball and manage your way out of a paper bag and get the most out of guys. So um, I don't remember a year that was full of more drama, more head scratching other than this one. Uh, I mean, the year before I thought took the cake and this one, uh, I guess that's the other prediction. It can't get any worse than it was in 2022. Uh, oh, oh yes, it can. And now the prediction will be, can it be worse in 2024? Yes. <laughs> I can't wait you know, to our prediction show. How many how well, many home runs for a lawyer? I, I predict there seven. won't be a prediction I'll say show. Seven I, I home runs. It's just, it's just I think you end all the predictions, you know. I you got to think really long and hard if you actually want to do that because at the rate things are going and it'll, and a lot can change, right? We haven't even opened up off season, uh, you know, free agency, winter meetings, all this kind of stuff. There could be, you know, a couple couple bizarre moves that are made that might change everything who knows elvis andrews might want to come back and oh, uh, we'll all go so. insane for a couple of weeks but you know it just what's the point really you know it and i guess this goes in i know people this time of year give letter grades out to everything like mm -hmm. every every position every player gets a letter grade and that, that's a very detailed comprehensive way of doing things and you know, I, I respect uh, the process of that. Of that, I, I can't. It, it makes no difference to me whether there's a C minus or a D plus or or an A or a B plus. It's like the team failed. The mm -hmm. team absolutely failed. Okay, F failure. You did not meet any of your goals, and individually, there were very very few successes. But I just can't take the time to give letter grades out to a team that lost 101 games. Just an absolute failure. There you go. There's your report card. Well, uh, I'd say the sod father, he gets an A. I'll give him an A again. Gene Honda, fantastic. Sure. Well Mean done Gene. again. Another yeah. A plus for Gene. Yeah. Um, uh, firework shows. Good job. Good job on bobbleheads. Everything went on. Good job, bobbleheads. Ah, yeah, they, they, they can have a few more bobbleheads. Well, they they really could. You want to give a letter B? That's all. Uh, food. Food's yeah. still good. A. Food's good. Yeah, I mean, the food's good. I wish it would be. I wish some of the really good stuff was more available. 
you know, uh, not just you, hidden in the club you, level. Tell and, me, tell me more. What did, what did you want more availability? <laughs> I'll you know what? I'll save it for when I get my survey. You, you know, I get the survey. Oh, so yes. I get the survey. Can all. we fill out the survey live on the show together as a team, as a show, or is this, <laughs> I know you take your surveys. Yeah to yeah. heart and you can't wait yeah. for a good survey to come well, out. Well, and it's, there's paragraph form. Some of these answers are oh, people, Our listeners would love to hear it okay. watch us write a paragraph. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just report on, you know, what I, what I reported on. How's okay. That? Well, just remember yeah. we're any content throughout the winter. Yeah, Nick, we so. are, man. I know it's, and don't throw really... away those prediction shows. That's a show. Okay. <laughs> we we got to have shows. All right. Yeah, I, You're right. I shouldn't just, uh, we're doing a pre- everybody just relax out there. We're doing a damn prediction <laughs> show. I mean, when it gets to mid November, I mean, January after the holidays, you're like, all right, here. Um, let's see. Uh, what can we, uh, you know, we'll talk Brian about Shaw. Let's do a whole Brian Shaw episode. We did yeah, all kinds oh of great gosh, shows. Man. Uh, I think it back to some of that. Anybody filling content during those times, man, uh, you get an award. Go back um, and listen to some of our COVID shows. Those are, those are some of their best shows right there, Nick. So, Well, anytime any new information came up about there might be a season or not, it was like, yeah. that's an episode. You know, there you that's go. The, there, there's the rumor of, of what could possibly happen. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to go into the, the things that I, I, I felt like were maybe successes in terms of my predictions, hmm. unless you've got some more, uh, if you want to keep rattling. No, 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 no. I think we've, I think we beat this horse to death long enough. <laughs> There's more we can go. I mean, we really honestly, the poor horses brains those. are smashed on the pavement. Um, and so these are a bit of a stretch, but I did not have a lot of successes at all when I thought back to my predictions. And some of them are so damn obvious. And, you know, I, I had to really say, all right, I'm, I'm going to give this one to myself. But w- one I wanted to talk about was, uh, and this came later in the season. So this was like end of May. I didn't think this was going to be a possibility in the offseason. I can't claim this is an offseason. But I was on the, you know, the Sox are going to trade Giolito. I was on that probably late May. I'd have to go back to maybe some of the mm-hmm. exact episodes of Lockdown. Definitely into June, you know, when they were like eight, nine games back, 12 games under. They, they made a rally there and they were like three and a half, four games back at one point. I was like, but you're still like gross number of games under 500. It's the AL Central. But knowing the White Sox, being a fan forever and knowing how they value pitching or don't value almost almost homegrown. Giolito wasn't homegrown uh, talent, young pitching talent. They just don't. They don't give those big contracts. I don't think they value Giolito as a big contract guy, even though he was having a, a kind of a nice bounce back year. I thought for sure they're going to let this guy go. And then, and then all the articles started coming out of even, you know, the whisperer, Bob Nightingale, with even if the Sox are in contention, possibly, you know, they're going to let Giolito walk at the end of the year. So the trade, I, you know, I was, and I was telling people about this and I was getting a lot of pushback. Like, don't you like Giolito? Don't you want pitching? I'm like, I do, mm-hmm. but that's not what the White Sox do. You got to understand they're going to trade him off. I didn't realize all the other, you know, arms that were going to be gone because then, then they just completely tanked. But so I'm going to, I'm going to go with that one uh, to, to kick things off. Were you more shocked that Gio looked as bad as he did after the trade? Because you look at like once Lynn got traded, it seemed like he had improved. And is that, is that more to say about 
you know, cause obviously he went to the angels and, and then later on to the guardians, maybe he'll get better with the guardians, but you know, maybe the, what does that say about the, the angels organization? They're, they're another, like, how, how do you have two of the best players in all of baseball? Yeah. And you just are as bad as you are, but um, you know, yeah, that's a good I, point. I, I was pretty surprised by that because he's playing for a contract, right? Yeah. He, he's auditioning and, and to go in that direction, but you know, there's a lot, he's a cerebral guy and, and I don't want to make excuses for him because I know he won't, he's not going to make any excuses. That's gotta be a real head spin, man, to, to just all of a sudden, you know, that whole drama of, you know, are you going to be traded and shipped off? And I think there was some, you know, personal stuff. He might've gotten a divorce, um, not to go too much into his personal life. It is what it is, but you know, he had a lot going on. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's where I can try to make an excuse for him. But performance wise, I, I was I was really surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't have anything. I, I don't think I had a prediction this entire year that went in the way I thought it would go. <laughs> I mean, I was. Okay, I've got a few. I've got. A I mean, few. I honestly, Nick, I mean, everything that I predicted, it was all sunshine and rainbows from from the start. And and, and talking about this team winning 93 games and, and not really running away with the division. I thought they'd win by a good amount and they'd pull away at the end. And we'd be talking about the Sox in the playoffs at this point. I, I had no idea that it would be as disastrous as it was for as many players as it was, except for Luis Robert jr, which I guess that would be my only prediction that he would, he would have the type of season that we had pined for. Right. And, and it was like, that and it was, was always with the asterisk of, yeah. well, barring any kind of major injury, barring this, barring that. And and he stayed away from that for the most part the entire year, and he showed exactly what we we thought we would get, and he was able to overcome the dysfunction of the Chicago White Sox. Now, really, the the where where he goes from here is we talked about lack of leadership. Your 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 best players have to be your leaders. He is your best player. He has to find a way to turn himself into some sort of leader because when you have the best players in your clubhouse being the leaders in your clubhouse and not guys that are like Tim Anderson that are batting 245, people are going to listen to the guy that's, that's doing the things that he does. So if he's going to continue to grow in his career and be the superstar that we think he can be, he's got to add on more to his plate and be more of a leader and galvanize this team on a day in and day out basis. But I'll, I'll step back and say, that's the only prediction I had, right. Was that he would have somewhat close to an MVP caliber type season. Yeah, and and that's the that's the no brainer, right? I even feel bad taking credit for that. I mean, everybody had that on their yeah. bingo card of if Luis Robert Jr. played in eighty percent of the games, it's going to be good. You know, he's going to have he's going to have some solid offensive numbers. He played in ninety percent of the games this season. Ninety I'm shocked by that. He he led in every offensive category uh, for the White Sox. Uh, he was tied with Vaughn with 80 uh, ribbies. Uh, but, you know, exactly what we were saying at the beginning of the year, and I know we're not the only ones. When you say, hey, if this guy could stay in the field, if he could play in 80-plus percent of the games, awesome stuff is going to happen, 38 home runs. And, you know, his season was unfortunately cut short uh, due to injury, but he still played in 90% of the games and did some serious damage, uh, you know, and, and made and put really the league on notice of what this guy can do. And uh, I, again, I don't know if it's a retool, a rebuild, whatever, but this is the guy that you try to build around. And can the Sox do it? 
can the Sox do this? Because um, that's that's somebody that you want to build around. It'll be interesting to see how they they view it. Can you do you have the resources and the ability in the short term to really build around this guy, or does he become the piece that helps you rebuild for the next yeah, I, Luis mm, Robert Jr. Right? It, it, where's the next Luis Robert Jr. that you can build around? Uh, in three or four or five, six years. Yeah, I, I don't know. He he is something special. Um, one of my, you know, vague, I thought I, I hit on this was, you know, when, when Pedro Grafol was hired and I was a little, you know, I bought into the things that he was saying, but there was also part of me to play like the other side of the coin, devil's advocate, so to speak. Players might not respect that resume. Players might not automatically just stop whatever they're doing and buy into his message. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what have you done, Pedro Grafol? Who are you? You know, if we weren't going to listen to Tony LaRussa in 2022, we're not going to be listening to you and what you have to say from the Kansas city Royals. And it kind and it, and it turned out that way. You know, I mean, reports came out. I mean, reports have come out. Things have, people have said things that he kind of just lost the clubhouse. You know, he, he did not know how to get things back on track. And it, it just sounds like he could not he could not command the attention of these White Sox players uh, who can. I, I don't know, but maybe somebody with a little bit more of a, a history of background, successful background than Pedro Grafols. If you lose the clubhouse in one season. Can you regain it and start afresh anew the next season with a lot of the same guys, assuming a lot of the same guys are going to be here. It'd be interesting to like, okay, is there going to be a come to Jesus moment where they all get together and go, listen, guys, I, I, we lost each other, right? You lost me. I lost you. We have to, we're here again next year. How do we make it work? And I just don't know if you can, I don't know if I've ever heard of managers that have lost the locker room, survived the year and kept their jobs and were able to regain it for the next year. Right. The they, guys they, that lose are the locker room are the guys that get fired. Yeah. This guy, they need to go to like a high ropes course or something. They need to go to some sort of like <laughs> white pines team building, you know, like, Hey, how can we all fit on this like wooden box? If you've ever had like an office job where they bring in, you know, these experts, these team building experts mm-hmm. trying to do all these different strategies and, Trust falls. A lot of trust falls. <laughs> it's just that's that's what Camelback ran. I would they, love they to do a trust do fall. Just a Me and you trust falls. Tell Pedro. They need to do, they need you to got do like uh, back. We got you know, back. The, I just they that is the only way I could think that he will regain some of this is if he tries to, like you said, that they they buy into themselves and they build some unity and he guides the building process. You know, he's the one that's facilitating all of this, but it's player led players are telling them this is what this is where our blind spots were. This is where, you know, things went wrong. And Pedro's like, okay, I've got strategies. I've got different challenges for us, uh, how we can bond and how we can do this. Thank you for bringing that message uh, to me. You know, so it's this is your thing, but I am going to be the one facilitating it with, you know, my my coaching staff here. That, that's just something that I don't know how, how realistic it is, hmm. but that's the only thing I can think of right now. I just wonder if the, you know, in upstairs between Rick and Kenny, 
because this was obviously, you know, Rick's hire, right? It wasn't, this wasn't Kenny's hire and Kenny, you know, found out later on that it was, you know, Kenny's making the decisions. Now it was finally Kenny's guy. Had it gotten so toxic up there that that bled down to the manager's office and then infested itself into the locker room. I just am curious if it got so bad between those two guys and, and, and with the, I'm, you know, who's making trades to what, and it got so toxic up there with who's in control and who's in charge that that ultimately bled down to the manager's position. And, and really, if you look at it and you go, this isn't Kenny's guy, we know who's in charge around here. And, and I just wonder if it undermined Pedro from the start. And I don't yeah. know that you can ever regain yeah. it, but I'm curious to see if now that both of those guys are gone and there's a new guy in charge that really does have Pedro's back a hundred percent. And the one guy that's making decisions wants this guy here. If that changes anything. Yeah. Uh, two, two things. I want to get to a couple comments and then I want to, I want to talk about what you just said. Cause I think you're hitting on something there. And I believe I've read something about that. Uh, uh, Mike, I, I, I do think not everybody can take the leadership role. I, you might be onto something. There, there's some people that are just, you know, speak silently, carry a big stick. Teddy Roosevelt, like, That's what she said. Hey, <laughs> so I don't know if I can, you know, I, I can't teach you or I can't like, I'm, I'm not a leader. You know, I'm going to go out there and play my game, and and maybe that is more of the Robert way. And uh, and, and Tyler, I do think Elvis had some leadership qualities. I mean, he was a veteran, and I think, you know, he's been through some stuff, and he did a little bit have the makeup. I felt like of a guy that you could maybe, uh, if he he talks, he could get guys going, and and I think was a positive influence in that clubhouse. You know, who knows what his future holds. Um, but I thought I read there was an article that came out, you know, postseason. And I don't know if it was Gavin Sheets. I don't want to, you know, don't quote me on that. But some players said something to the effect of it's going to be nice to, like, hear one message from one person, you know, instead mm -hmm. of the division of, well, is this Kenny and Rick? And where, where are these messages coming from? Who is sending this? And, and maybe Grifol got confused. I mean, he's like, I don't know who to listen to, you know, and, and that got all messed up and and now that it's like gets and grafol and we're all from kansas city and bring <laughs> banister in and we can all talk kansas city and eat barbecue and watch the chiefs and we're all together on this um we're good you know uh, i know where the messages are coming from yeah that we're now we're we're, we're scratching the bottom of the barrel here nick we're just hoping but yeah. uh that will uh, that will be interesting to see for sure and um you know I, I don't know. I don't know about Pedro. I, I'd like to, I'd like to think that maybe at this point next year, you and I are eating a lot of crow um, with our thoughts. That would be, about one, that would be wonderful. I'd love would, to do that. I have no problem calling myself out on, on just horrible predictions and, and yeah, maybe something, you know, he's got the right chemistry in the coaching uh, department and the executives are the right mix and, and, and they hit on some, you know, off season moves and it's a completely different thing, but so a lot of ifs, man. And I've been playing this if hope, you know, game way too long with this team. So. Well, and we will continue to play the if hope <laughs> game thing for quite some time, yeah. Nick. And then we're here to, to uh, share with our fans. On I got one more, hopes. one more that I think I hit on. And then we've got the Pedro quote of the week. Oh, um, so I, you know, I, I read a bunch on Yaz 
uh, who mm. I don't think will be with us anymore. Um, he's the, is he dead? <laughs> no, he's, he's still alive. The guy's still okay. alive. He's just, I don't think going to be wearing a white sax uniform in 2024. Oh, gotcha. okay. Um, and I thought what I thought was he was going to have an uptick in his offense because the legs were going to be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we read yeah. all these articles about he stayed in Chicago. He was, yep. he was training with like a Blackhawks goalie coach. He mm-hmm. was, he, mm-hmm. he had different new ways of the, of the, you know, crouching behind home plate uh you know Pedro Grafol helped out a little bit in that and uh, I think even somebody in the minor leagues you know he went to and he talked to someone in the system and and there was a lot that was written about uh, Yasmani Grandal and and how he wants to get right he knows what he needs to do with his legs um and and he played he played 19 more games uh, in 2023 slash lineup OPS up uh, home runs still nowhere near 2021 when he had mm-hmm. that that magical uh, few months uh, walks were down uh, he started 15 more games uh, at catcher from 64 to 79 so uh, I, I, that was something that was noticeable from the beginning is his bat was you know was looking pretty good uh, he was coming up with the hits, with the offense, and and I thought that was a tribute to maybe some of the work he put in the offseason w- with all the light conditioning. Yeah, and you and I, we talked a lot about we, we talked a lot about the conditioning. We also talked a lot about the the banning of the shift, and we thought, yeah, it's going to be yeah. great for Yaz. He's going to have a breakout, not maybe not a breakout season, but we should see more of what um, we got used to back in 2021 just because of the shift. And his power just eroded. I think his body is, regardless of how much work he put in, I think his body is just, you know, it's, you can only do so much with it at, at some point. And uh, I was encouraged like you were with hearing what we heard and rebuilding it up and getting the flexibility. And, but the, you know, defensively, he still was no. not very good behind the plate. No, a, a shadow of the amount of games that he yeah. caught back in 2019, I think, before the Sox signed him. Yeah. It, in, in the the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark, which is probably, you know, what we we looked at most because we're so deprived of left-handed power. We thought, well, if we can get left-handed power from the guy that we signed to the richest contract at one point in White Sox history, um, that would be pretty good, right? If we can get our left-handed power from this guy and the the third baseman that we've been waiting to break out and have a breakout year, we should be pretty good with these with these two left-handed bats with the, the, the shift being banned and all that kind of stuff. And it just, uh, it, it never materialized like we had hoped, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a- absolutely. Well said. Um, you know, I, we can, we can discuss the contract, uh, you know, until we're blue in the face, but coming off of that season he had with the Brewers, you wanted that guy in your team. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had, he had a heck of a year uh, with Milwaukee and, and we got, uh, a, a, you know, an absolute all-star catcher, you know, switch hitting, uh, you know, a, a force on a, on a team that we were looking to, to ready to do something with. So mm-hmm. uh, here is your Pedro quote of the week. You had to go back uh, and, you know, with the theme of this episode and, you know, all of the different, you know, uh, predictions and the failures and everything, we, then we, we've got to go to November 2022 when Pedro was hired. And here is that so one, one of the many magical quotes from the fearless oh. leader himself. Okay. Uh, we will communicate. We will be fundamentally sound. We will play with passion, pride for this uniform. This means something, Grafol said. 
Uh, we will respect the game, our fans, and earn their trust. We will be prepared to control the strike zone on both sides of the ball. We will nope. work hard and play winning mm -hmm. baseball nope. every night. Nope. We will definitely hold each other accountable. Uh -uh. I no, truly see great things happening here. Oh, I'm really excited to be part of it. Wow, you know you're not. Pedro Grafol quote of the week. Uh, that's amazing that none of that, everything you just said there made everybody stupid. Thank you, stupider. <laughs> Thank you, Pedro. I mean, none uh, of that came true that at all. Sad. That literally, he said that in November we, 2020. They didn't communicate well. They yeah. they didn't come out and, and you know, kick everybody's ass like you thought. They didn't control the strikes on both sides. Uh, that's the how, trust by fans was not earned. It was lost 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, tune in, yeah. as as Rick would say. Just tune in. We actually we didn't because uh, yeah. I think uh, games. I think viewership was down like forty five percent. TV viewership crazy. down drastically, which yeah. is not a, not a huge surprise with the product. Yes. Uh, well, that is a yeah. great quote. That's something so. that you. Uh, you know what I got from my wife for her birthday? I got these this great. It's called Armor. Uh, I think it's Armor Prints, and and you get the a canvas. And I got mm. our. Um, our theme, the, the lyrics to our wedding song oh, uh, yeah. on this thing is beautiful. It's hanging up in our den right now. You should do the same thing with that quote and hang it in your basement. The, the Pedro yep. Grafal from his press conference, we're going to kick people's asses and we're going to control it. The whole thing you just read there. And you should put that on canvas and, and put that up on your wall. That'd be great. Add just, that to the basement. Just, just give it a, just a, just slap it when you come down to the basement, yeah. ready to watch some White Sox baseball. Just hit that quote canvas, and uh, you're ready. I love it. I think it's an outstanding idea. I think it's people don't know that you are an artist. So you could probably make that. I could yeah, probably, I, I could probably figure out a way to do that. If um, you, you know, there's, there's yeah. that very famous Tom Paints uh, on Twitter that does all the yeah. stuff for White. Yeah. He doesn't hold the candle to you, my friend. You oh, are. He's, he's oh, a talented yes. guy. I, I might be able to work my way around this. Um, I, I definitely want it to be large so everyone can see it, of course, because it's such of a course, powerful quote. Who doesn't quote. want it to be large? It's such a powerful quote, um, but it's got to be somewhere prominent. Uh, that's for sure. Maybe even some extra mantle? lighting. <laughs> Is it mantle worthy? It, it might have to be. It, with with a picture of lights. Pedro right next <laughs> to it, like the Pope? <laughs> with some can lights just directed right on it and uh some like an eternal flame that's always going uh, <laughs> just if i can an figure that flame. out yeah yes yeah. yes so, let, me know, we'll, we'll let me know if your lovely image. wife lets you put up yeah. an eternal flame uh yep. in her house that'd be great <laughs> for the reason of right. this pedro quote right. on canvas right. um, i'd like first first off wondering if we could put an eternal flame in um <laughs> And, uh, well, let me tell you the reason why. Uh, there's this great quote from Pedro Grifol, the guy that lost 101 games in his first year's manager. I'd like to put it on a canvas, like to put that on the mantle, and then get an eternal flame. So chew on it. Just think about that for a little bit. And, uh, and then we'll I see. can't wait to talk to your lovely wife the next time I see her on yeah. the train and see how that conversation goes. Yeah. That'll be great. Yeah. Uh, Pat, we're going to, we're going to do this all over again next week. And we'll, we'll always figure out some new things to, uh, to talk about with this, uh, this organization, this franchise that uh, we just can't get away from. I can't wait to do it. And thank you everyone for tuning in, listening yep. and participating in the show. We appreciate you all. We love you all. And, uh, 
And it's amazing. People think it's amazing that we do this every week and we talk about these White Sox people. I think it's more amazing that people tune in. So thank you very it. much. Man, I love it. I know that I knew that there were people that were just as crazy as I am. And uh, yeah, the proof is here. Thank you, folks, so very much for jumping in in the comments. Loved it. Uh, pass this podcast along to other Sox fans in your life all off season long. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, check it out. Even if it's not in real time, uh, and then the audio is available everywhere. We got a uh, Twitter X, uh, you know, handle at Good Guys TV for Pat Hester. I am Nick Morowski. Until next time, go Sacks.